Hi, I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm talking to you about Christmas. I put a title on the board. Celebrating Christmas is like trying to clean up filth. The Bible says in Job, the 14th chapter, those first couple of verses there, who can bring a clean thing out of unclean? Not one. Christmas is filth. It has nothing to do with Christ. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was born of a virgin in Bethlehem in a manger. He died to save sinners, but Christmas is Roman Catholicism. It is the Mass, and I'm going to explain to you today actually what the Mass is. It is eating human flesh. I don't feel like I ever finished this up. It is, Christmas is actually Christ Mass. All you need to do is open up any encyclopedia, any dictionary, look up Christmas. It'll say, here's what it'll say in most encyclopedias. Christus Masse, M-A-E-S-S-E. And it is Christmas for short. Christmas was something that Constantine in 325 A.D. at the Nicene Council brought into the church. He brought the Feast of Saturn into the church and renamed it Christ Mass. And they were on their way. Roman Catholicism is what is wrong with the world. Now, I have people call me and write to me and say, do you have any proof besides Alexander Hislop's book, uh, The Two Babylons? Well, I've got a two Babylons right here, and I have wore it out. This is, without a doubt, one of the best books in the world on the history of fire and tree worship or Christ's Mass. It has more information on one page. You can see I mark this up on every page. I have wore this one out. It's falling apart. I bought several new ones. And I have had one lady writing. I mean, every page is marked up. And it's falling apart. And I, if I have a book that this is one of the most formidable educational books anywhere. I love the McClinic and Strong, but there's more on one page of this book than there is in a whole volume of McClinic and Strong. But McClinic and Strong also verifies that Christmas is Christ's Mass and it's paganism. And they've tried to debunk Mr. Hislop's book. Let me tell you who he was. He was a teacher back in the 1800s. He was a member of the Free Church of Scotland. Free Church does not mean free will. Free Church meant free grace. He was a predestinationist. You can go on the Internet and look him up. He believed in predestination. He was born in Duns, Berkwickshire, England. And the Free Church of Scotland, they believed in predestination. He was a reformer and kind of one of the last of the Puritan writers. He was really, he's got a, I believe it's 125 references in the two Babylons to his 
bibliography, all the people that he quotes. A lot of those quotations you can't find. But we've got all kinds of other books about Christmas. You can go, here's a book. I picked this up at a used bookstore. Christmas, A Pictorial Pilgrimage by Pierre Benoit, with his name being a French name. You can just figure he was a Roman Catholic. And it is a Roman. it has Roman Catholic view to it. Let me read some things out of it. I'll read just a couple of, just a little bit on the first two pages. The history of the Christmas feast. It's just amazing. There was a time, however, when Christmas was not celebrated in Bethlehem or anywhere else in Christendom. Now, this book is something you put on a coffee table just so people have something to read. This has no religious leanings as far as exposing Christmas. He is for Christmas. And he says... The first Christians were interested only in the death and resurrection of Christ. His will tell you that. The primary Christian feasts were Easter and the day of the Lord, which was Sunday. For this reason, the consecration of baptism of water and the baptism of catechumens, which is a term that means instruction, were carried out on Easter Eve. Now, let me go over here to the next page. About the middle of the 4th century, another feast came suddenly into being, the celebration of Christ's birth on December the 25th. This is just a book to sit around to read. And it was, a, it was in 354, that is the middle of the 4th century, A.D., that Christmas was brought into the church. It was given its pagan name by Pope Julius I. And then he says, earlier Origen, who which was one of the church fathers, 185 to 254, had protested the pagan ritual of celebrating the Lord's birthday. It was pagan. Only people like Pharaoh and Herod, he claimed, had their birthdays celebrated in the Bible. And that's true. They hung Pharaoh's baker and they cut off John the Baptist's head at Herod's birthday. And then he goes on. How was the date of December 25th decided upon? This is a Roman Catholic's view. You can get this in all kinds of little social books that you put on coffee tables. Christmas was first mentioned in Rome in 336. You've heard me say that. During the reign of the first Christian Emperor Constantine, you've heard me say that. This date appeared most expedient because it coincided with the high feast of the sun cult which had long been practiced in the Roman Empire to mark the downfall of winter and the victory of Sol Invictus, the invincible sun. I've said, how many times have I said that? A thousand. It's all about, let me put this on the right place here. It's about the sun waning. Wait a minute, go the other way. I think it's close to this other direction. Here it is, like this. As we come out of the summer solstice, as the earth is going around the sun, the earth leans at 
23 and a half degrees. When you get, when you get, I keep saying it's like so. Here's the sun. Here's the earth going around the sun. And when it leans away from the sun, leans away from the sun, then we're in the dead of winter, and that's December the 21st, the winter solstice, the longest nights of the year. When you're in the summer over here, and you're leaning towards the sun, that is summer. This is the depth of winter. Now, and that's what it, this is what Christmas is about right here. Whether anybody likes it or not, that's what it's about. Let me finish reading this. The sun cults would have been practiced in Roman Empire as part of the popular Mithra religion. When you look up Mithra in McClinic and Strong, it will say the most popular day of in Rome, in Rome's history, was the birthday of the unconquerable sun, Mithra. The reason it was unconquerable was because when you get to the winter solstice, then things begin to get brighter again because you're moving you're moving back towards you're going to go towards towards the summer you get into the spring and everything gets better and then you get on around here and of course the whole idea is get around to get around to to spring so they can have crops and that's why they called well I better not get into that right now I've got too many things to say I was going to get into the swastika. That was the Big Dipper in its four seasons. Let me go ahead and put that on the board. The Big Dipper, let me erase this. You got the title. Let me erase this. It's all about the Big Dipper, which is nothing but, nothing but, a swastika and they looked at that Big Dipper every three months at midnight this is what they would see in summer and then in fall fall you're going into the winter and this was their clock of the year at one time that was called a good luck symbol it actually had this was the symbol of the Boy Scouts in America. Well, let me, I'm never good at drawing this thing. I'm not good at drawing a, a fleur de lis. Fleur de lis means flower of the lily. That's what it means. Maybe I ought to draw it more away from that middle line. Now I'm going to have to learn to draw that. That's the fleur de lis. Flower of the lily, which was the title for Mary and the Roman, among the Roman Catholics. I can't. Somebody's going to have to teach me how to do that. 
That's the fleur de lis, and that's on the helmets of the New Orleans Saints, because that's Catholic country down there. And it goes on to say, The celebration consisted of kindling huge fires, indulging in festive games to mark the downfall of winter, and the victory of the Solus Invictus, the Invincible Son. In this manner, Constantine, using the unifying power of Christianity to buttress his own empire. That's what it was about. It was about power and money. When Constantine thought he was going to lose the empire to the Vandals, the Huns, the Goths, the Visigoths, all of these people rampaging across the European continent. Constantine in Rome, that's, the, that's Italy, the boot of Italy. And he became leader over the entire empire, and the empire conquered all of the Mediterranean region. That's why the Bible says the beast comes up out of the sea. Because the beast was the Babylonian lion, that's Iraq, the Persian bear, that was uh, Iran and Pakistan and Afghanistan and several of the stands and that was Babylon, Persia then Greece, then Rome it was the Babylonian lion the Persian bear the Grecian leopard and the Roman the beast with iron teeth which was Rome and it came up out of the sea and Constantine and all the emperors thought they would for 200 years prior to his reign. He started reigning in around 306 and he gave out the he gave out a decree. He said I'm going to lose the empire if I do not do something with these hordes rampaging across Europe. The Ostrogoths, the Visigoths, the Huns, the Vandals, the, the Celts, the Gauls, all those hordes, he said, I'm going to lose the empire so I've got to bring their religions which has to be fire and worship. It has to be the same thing that Israel was involved in because Babylon mothered all idolatry. Since Babylon mothered it all, then everything that he brought into the church of these hordes was the same thing that Israel worshipped for 500 years, Baal in the grove, and it was the same thing under different names. So if Babylon mothered it all, gave birth to all of it, it all comes out of Babylon there on the Euphrates River. All of it. Now, you, so that's why this culture book says he did it to buttress his empire. That's what it was for. You get that out of a book called uh, The Myth of Mary, and you get it out of dozens of books. And it says, the cult of the sun greatly influenced the Christmas feast. So deeply ingrained was was the merging of the two feasts in the mind of the people. And now, that'll be enough on that one. Then I've got this other book. Now, there's another book you set around on your coffee table so people have something to read in your doctor's office or in your home. So you put it on your coffee table. Anniversaries and Holidays. This is by Mary Hazeltine, or Hazeltine, however you want to pronounce it. I looked her up on the internet. She was born in 1868, died in 1949, one of the most famous 
librarians in America. She went into the Library Hall of Fame in 1940 or something like that. And she does nothing but tell the truth. And she's gone through all of the dates of the year. She goes through the whole year and gives you these holidays. You want to know some other books by besides his up now this lady wrote to me and said my husband won't believe this my preacher won't believe this and i'm so depressed your husband is very ignorant he's very naive and don't believe that this comes out of paganism if he doesn't glorify god it's wrong date of easter this is mary hazeltine the movable feasts are so-called because they have no set date in the calendar. Their celebration occurring year by year according to the date of Easter, which is established by lunar calculations by the moon. The day which should be celebrated was fixed by the Council of Nice, the Nicene Council, A.D. 325. That's when they met, and Constantine brought that into the church, the Feast of Saturn. As the first Sunday following the full moon that appears on the next after the vernal equinox, March the 21st. I brought that out. Let me go back to where that is. The vernal equinox is the spring equinox, March the 21st. All right, get back over here. All right, I'll get there in a minute. Oh, I went through that already. Here it is. The vernal equinox, the spring equinox, right here. That's the vernal equinox. Going into going into summer, and everything's going to be brighter, and the flowers are going to come out, and the fruits are going to come out, and the vegetables are going to grow. What I'm doing today is documenting the truth about Christmas with some of these other books. And then she talks about Shrove Tuesday. (laughs) Mary Hazeltine knew the truth. She was a librarian. She didn't want to print something that wasn't true. Shrove Tuesday. Shrove Tuesday comes on February 14th. On a Tuesday, I brought this out. She is a librarian. She's going to bear witness to it, okay? They derives from its name from the ancient practice in the Roman Catholic Church. Shrove Tuesday was the last day of the French. They were Roman. France, France is a Roman Catholic country. South Louisiana is Roman Catholic, and they have Mardi Gras down there. Shrove Tuesday was the last day of a seven-day festival starting on the 7th through the 14th on a Tuesday, and it was called Shrove Tuesday or Mardi Gras or another name for it was Fat Tuesday because they would festival and glut themselves. That was the same thing as the Feast of Saturn in Rome. Seven-day festival. 
They had a king of the festival of Mardi Gras, and he had to die at the end of Mardi Gras, and then a king of festival of Saturn, and he had to die, and both of them were orgies. You think Jesus wants his name on an orgy? No. Shrove Tuesday in the Catholic Church was a time of confessing sins and being shrived or shrove, signifying the penitence. It's Roman Catholic penitence and confessing to a priest. It was the same thing as the Feast of Saturn. One should enter into the great fast of Lent. That's where Lent would start on the 15th and they'd mourn for Tammuz for 40 days until, and how many days would that be? March the 25th. And then that would be called the Day of Annunciation where they were going to announce the birth of the of the pagan Messiah nine months later, which would be on December the 25th. That's exactly nine months to the day after March 25th. And those 40 days, the Catholics brought into the church and called it Lent. I'm just, I'm trying to show you how these people who know the facts are just verifying what I've been saying. She talks about that, goes into it. Then she goes into Lent. Lent is the fast of forty days where they fasted for Tammuz. I've read the out of the I've read out of Ezekiel Ezekiel the eighth chapter where Ezekiel is over here in Babylon and God is giving him visions of what's going on in Israel. This is around five ninety seven ninety six BC. And this is before Israel collapses in 586 B.C. And Nebuchadnezzar comes in and carries Israel into captivity at the final judgment because they went after the sun and the tree gods. And that was brought into the church and renamed Christ's Mass. Well, Ezekiel is prophesying over there in that Ezekiel, the 8th chapter, and he talks about how the women are weeping for Tammuz for 40 days. They're weeping for Tammuz, and men are standing. There's 25 men standing in front of the temple facing the east. The temple faces the east, and they're between the 25 of them standing between the altar and the and the porch of Solomon. There's a brazen sea here. There's the veil, the the table of showbread, the, the altar of incense, the seven candlesticks, and the Ark of the Covenant. And there's 25 men facing the east, worshiping the sun, having the first sunrise service 600 years before Jesus is even born. It's just insane what we're doing in America in the name of Jesus. All right, then she talks about Ash Wednesday. That comes the day after the 14th when they start weeping for Tammuz. Ash Wednesday. They brought that that 40 days for Tammuz into the church. Tammuz. I got, this comes out of McClinic and Strong. And I have been carrying this for several years wanting to read from it. I just haven't. I don't have time to cover all the information I've got. It's talking about Tammuz. 
This is in the Clinican Strong. That's another good source of Christmas being pagan. Now we know that Tammuz was an ancient personification of the sun of the springtime. His name consisting of the Sumerian phrase Dumi and Z. It means true or faithful son of the deep. He was a sea god and he was a sun god. Crisscrossing. And that he was the first lover of Ishtar. Get that out of McClinic and Strong. And on the and on the day of Annunciation, he was resurrected from the dead. This ain't, this is so simple when you study it. Your brain's out for forty years like I have. This is so simple. It's it's nearly comical how simple it is if people will stop and look at it. What they did in the ancient world, they said that when the end of the harvest came, and that's another Roman Catholic unholy day, it's called Samhain. It's actually Samhain, but it's pronounced Samhain. That is this point here on the swastika. It's Samhain. It's the end of the harvest. End of harvest. That's when all the crops are dying. All the crops are dying. So the pagans said they go down into the ground and it's un, it's it's pagan gods, evil gods that take up down into the ground. They, they said that was happening. The sap goes down because there's these evil gods called Hades. Pluto. And, and many other gods. They said they, and sticks. Sticks is the name of an old rock and roll group. They got it out of this. It's hard to say old rock and roll. And then what they said, these gods took the crops down and wasn't until spring comes, March the 25th, that, that Ishtar, which is a form of Easter, Easter was the goddess of the spring in the ancient world. Easter is mentioned one time in the Bible, Acts 12, and it's wrong. It's a wrong translation. It's translated, it's supposed to be Pascha. And the Paschal lamb was the Passover lamb. And Pascha is Passover. So that's a bad translation in the King James Bible. People say, the King James Bible is the inspired word of God. It's not in that verse. Gosh. I'm just trying. Let me read a little more about Tammuz. And it was Ishtar, which comes from the word Aster, which is the word star in the Greek. I don't like stars. I don't like singing stars, sports stars. They're arrogant and lifted up. It is the word star, and we get the word Ashtaroth. Ashtaroth was a generic name for all the female tree deities. And they were always worshipped in the form of a cone. Let me read something to you out of here. I'm just trying to document today.
how pagan all this is. This is out of McClinic and Strong. You can get McClinic and Strong on, uh, I guess it's DVD, isn't it, Mike? Yeah. On DVD. You can order it for, how much is it? Was It used to be $29, wasn't it? You can get it for free. Huh? You can get it for free. Oh, you get it for free? Yeah. Get McClinic and Strong for free. Well, go to Ashtaroth. It'll tell you. Let me see here. Ashtart comes from Ashtart or Asherah, which is the word grove. And Israel went after the grove goddess, the tree goddess. It's actually the Christmas tree in Jeremiah 10. You can see it. They deck it with silver and gold. They put hammers and nails to it so it moved not. And they put a star on top of it, Mr. Mr. Uh, Layard says, because it was they were worshipped in the stars. What they worshipped was this right here. Mr. Layard said they put a star on it. If that is not a Christmas tree, I don't know what you'd call it. And then they talk about the female deities, the Ashtaroth. Ashtaroth is plural. Ashtoreth, with an E, is singular. A part of the Phoenician myth. Phoenicia is the same thing. When you Phoenicia is another name for Tyre and Sidon, or we say Lebanon, which is right above Israel. If this is Israel, then Phoenicia is right here. Or Tyre and Sidon. And Tyre and Sidon was another seat, was a capital place for Baal and grove worship. And Ahab, king of northern Israel, married Jezebel. Her father was at Baal. He was a priest of Baal from Babylon. Babylon was over here on the Euphrates. And he was a priest of Baal. And when Ahab up here married Jezebel, the daughter of Ahab, he brought her gods down into northern Israel. Then later on, they had a wicked daughter named Athaliah, and she married Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, in southern Judah, and took her gods down there. And for that, God scattered all of them all over the world. And that's why the World Trade Center came down. Deal with that. Let me continue reading this. I'm just trying to document things today. Ashtaroth was probably founded with Juno because she is a counterpart to Baal and the chief god, the Syrians, their Jupiter, as it were, and with Venus because the same lascivious rites were common to her worship and that of Ashtaroth. Her cognate Malita, Malita means mediatrix. That was a female deity. That means a female mediator. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. When they when they put Malita and Aphrodite, they both had basically the same meaning. They were different names in different cultures. Aphrodite. Aphrodite means wrath. Subduer. Wrath subduer. 
And Malita means female mediatrix, a female mediator. A mediator is one between God and man. There's one mediator, that's Christ. So when they brought that into the Catholic Church, they renamed this mediator Mary, and they called her Queen of Heaven. And Israel is condemned for worshiping the Queen of Heaven in Jeremiah the 7th chapter and in Jeremiah the 44th chapter. What does everybody want from me? Don't they want the truth? Don't they want... Don't the world want the truth? They don't want it. Boy, you get the McClinic and Strong and... I can spend all day long looking at that. And it goes on to say, But so great is the intermixture and confusion between the gods of pagan religions that Munter further identifies Asheroth due allowance being made for differences of time and place. And they even say in here, they can't tell the difference in these gods. I can. But you have to know something about the Bible. Revelation 17 and 5 says there is no difference. They all came out of Babylon. Babylon is the mother of all idolatry. They come from Babylon. And they all have different names and different cultures. Now let me, I'm going to read one more thing off of this. Adam McClinic and Strong. All the female deities were tree deities and represented as, as moon goddesses. All of them. Now let me give you this. So when you're talking about the grove that is the worship, you're talking about Venus or Aphrodite or Ceres or Sybil or any of the rest of them. They're all really the same. What they are, they are Nimrod and his queen, Semiramis. And one of the writers says, Semiramis is like saying queen. That was a title that was given just like Caesar was a title that was given. And Nimrod was the Caesar, or he was the king. And there were other names associated with Nimrod. Gilgamesh is another name for Nimrod. Now let me read this. She had celebrated temples as to the form, attributes. This is talking about the female deities or the Queen of Heaven, or Venus, or Grove. As to the form and attributes with which Astaroth was represented, the oldest known image that in Paphos was a white conical stone. What's conical? It's a, st- it's a cone. That's the way Venus was worshipped, a cone was represented the oldest known image. She was worshipped as a white cone, often seen on Phoenician remains, in the figure which Tacitus thus describes, the statue of the goddess bears no resemblance to human form. She wasn't worshipped like Venus to Milo, which I don't know how long ago, 150, 200 years ago, was was a statue made without the arms on it, and it's in the Louvre in Paris. That would be a later model. She was worshipped as a cone. You see a round figure brought at the base, but growing fine to degrees, till like a cone, it lessens to a point. Now when you... This was all fertility worship. It was about getting back around to the spring. That's fertility. It was fertility in humans... 
It was fertility in humans and fertility of crops. That has to do with God's promise in Deuteronomy 28. If you keep my commandments and my statutes, I will fill up your field. That's fertility. I'll fill up your basket, your store. And your children, here's human fertility, your children will be your children will be born healthy and they'll be they won't be stillborn, they'll be healthy. All you have to do is keep my commandments and my statutes. I had a man write an email and said he said, Well what about you say this is this coronavirus is all due to the preachers not telling the truth. It's been due to the preachers not telling the truth for the last three thousand years. He said, what about the virus of 1918? I've already gone through that. That's part of the, that's part of the preachers preaching false doctrine. They're preaching Christmas is okay. They're preaching free will. They're preaching accept Christ, which is not true. They're preaching sinner's prayer for salvation, which is not true. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? Belief is the method of salvation. The preachers are the reason, and that's also the reason for the for the smallpox. That's the reason for the bubonic plague. The funny thing is the bubonic plague was here right in the middle of the Inquisition where the Catholics were killing the Christians in Europe. And there was 75 to 200 million people died in the bubonic plague. There were 25 to 50 million died in the smallpox plague. That was the judgment of God. All of that's the judgment of God. Now that's the truth. Let me give you, and the fact that I just told you it was all about fertility and the way Venus or the grove was worshipped was in the form of of a triangle I'll tell you what you do I've got several sources on it and you've got it in the McClinic and Strong under Ashtart under Ashtart which is a form of Ashtaroth and they say that the I've got other other verifications of this since this was all sex worship the steeples on all the churches are a picture of the of the sexual organ of the man. So is the necktie. They carried. They wore a. They wore a chain around the neck in the ancient world with a small penis on it. That was fertility gods. This female, this is the picture of the female genitalia. And you can look up pubic triangle on the internet and it'll come up and tell you what it's about. Just put worship of the pubic triangle. It's sex worship of the ancient world. And that's why during that seven-day festival in the Feast of Saturn at Rome... How can I know this? And other preachers can't know it. I study a lot more than they do. I, I don't know of any preachers that studies this kind of thing. 
It's sex worship in the ancient world. And during that time period, that was an orgy. You think Jesus wants his name on an orgy? He said, therefore shall you... The Bible says, therefore shall you keep mine ordinance that you commit not any one of these abominable customs. God didn't even say don't worship their gods. He said, don't keep the customs. If you keep the customs, they'll lead you away. You'll have to go to your mother's house or your brother or sister's house and they'll be cooking a turkey and half of them will be cussing and some of them bring a bottle. Even if they don't, they're a bunch of self-righteous Baptists or Church of Christ. They'll be, they don't want nobody talking about Bible at the Christmas gathering. Besides that, we spend over a trillion dollars a year on Christmas every year. I usually... Back in 1992 to the year 2000, they spent over 10, America spent over $10 billion on live Christmas trees. Could you find something better to do for the needy and the poor than spending $10 billion on live Christmas trees and they keep it in their house for about two weeks and then they throw it out by the curb to be carried away by the garbage man. Could we do something better with $10 billion than that? We spend trillions here a couple of years ago. We spent over $6 billion on Christmas ornaments for trees and hang around the house. It's not even counting the trees. Could we do something better than that? It's utterly insane. America's crazy. When you look up the word insane in Webster Dictionary, it'll say, see crazy. And it'll say, see deranged. When you go through all of these, it'll tell you finally the inability to think rational. America doesn't think rational at all. Preachers don't think rational. You can give them a verse like, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. And all they can say is, Well, it don't mean that. It means something else. They're a bunch of idiots. Idiotes. Unlearned. Now, hold on a second here. Let me knock some stuff off. I'm just trying to verify what this says. Now, let me get back to Mary Hazeltine. Ash Wednesday, that's on the 15th of February, so they can mourn for Tammuz, and they call that Lent, so he can resurrect by Ishtar on the 25th of March. How did it get to be 25th of March? How could that be verified? When you look at... Hislop's book, he got, he's got an entire chapter on Christmas and Easter. And it's a bunch of pages. It's, I don't know, 20 or 30 pages. And how did it get to be? He says that what they did, and I've read this other place, they wanted Passover. What they did, they moved Passover back to December the 25th and Passover's in the month of Nisan. That's March, April. And they wanted to have that they wanted to have Passover to amalgamate with the March twenty fifth with the day of Annunciation of announcing the birth of the 
I'll just put DMA, Annunciation, announcing the birth of the sun god. So what they did, they amalgamated the calendar. So the Roman Catholics hired a monk named Dionysius. I'll get it in a minute. Dionysius to redo the calendar. And he redid the calendar so he could amalgamate it. And Mr. Hyssop said he did that so he could get paganism and Christianity to shake hands. You can't bring a clean thing out of unclean. You can't clean up Christmas. I don't care what John MacArthur says. John, I don't care what you say. You can't clean it up. It's an orgy. I heard him coming over here today. You can get some of my books, some of my commentaries. This will make a real good Christmas gift. Why do you use the word Christmas, John? Christmas is Christ Mass. It's paganism. Now, let me get back to this. Let me go over here to Mother Hazeltine's. She goes into Ash Wednesday. She goes into she goes into every she goes into Mothering Sunday, where it's where Mother Day comes from. It's pagan. Goes into Holy Week, goes into Good Friday, that's all Roman Catholicism. Then I'll then we get on up to December. She goes through the she goes through the calendar of the year. She gets over here to Christmas, date of Christmas. This is amazing. This is a calendar lady, a librarian, one of the most honored librarians in America. She wouldn't write things down that wasn't true. Librarian has to be like a historian. They had to, if you're going to be a true historian, like, like, uh, Richard Shankman, you gonna tell the truth. He tells the truth on George Washington. Said he was a thief, stole ten thousand acres of Indian land because of the doctrine of discovery. Thomas Jefferson. He tells the truth on Thomas Jefferson. Says he was a pagan. So was so was Washington. So was, and they were slave owners. How could they have been Christian being slave owners? And they had affairs with women. And the only reason George Washington married Martha. She was the ugliest woman in the country, but she was the richest. And that wasn't who he loved. He loved his best friend's wife. That was Washington. Gosh, we are so messed up in America. You believe all that stuff? And Ben Franklin said he thought there were other gods besides Jesus. Crazy. Date of Christmas, Mary Hazeltine. Gosh, I don't want to read all this. I can't. Uh, there was no general agreement regarding the date of Christ's birth in which it should be celebrated. But December the 25th, January 6th, and March the 25th were most commonly chosen. Notice they got March 25th in there, the day that Tammuz was supposed to resurrect from the dead. Of course, he didn't resurrect from the dead. He was a mythical god. You know what all this was? Man's... Vain imagination is what it was. Once they said, let us make us a name, God said there in Genesis 11, 4, they said, let us make us a name. He said, now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. All this mythology I put on the board, that's all it is. It's what the Bible calls muthos. 
Don't pay any attention to muthos, the fables of man. Every time you find fables, it's muthos. It's myth. That's all we're into is myth in America. Let me read some more hers. When the Bishop of Rome started to observe the festival on December the 25th, Bishop of Rome means the Pope, especially Constantine. The emperor went to church in state to celebrate the birth of Christ that date. The selection of December the 25th was due larger to the fact that it coincided with that of the greatest pagan festivals which celebrated the winter solstice. How many times have I said that? This is Mary Hazeltine, famous librarian in the Hall of Fame of the librarians. You can look up Mary Hazeltine on the internet. Shows a picture of an old woman out of the... whenever she was born in 1868. Believe it or not, my grandfather was born in 1865, my father's father. The selection of December the 25th was largely to the fact that it coincided with the greatest pagan festivals which celebrated the winter solstice, which occurs, she says, December the 22nd, but all the others say the winter solstice is December the 21st. The birthday of the new sun about to return once more toward the earth there, right there. The sun is coming back toward the earth. It's not actually growing in size. It just looks like it is because the earth is going around. It's the the winter. So the reason for the season is the swastika or the Big Dipper. The pagan rites of the winter solstice were extravagant orgies in the Latin countries called Saturnalia. Famous librarian's got that in her book. Then she goes into... I, all of this is on Christmas. I can't read all that. This up here is on the rise of Christmas customs. That was all Roman Catholicism. This is Christmas gifts. That was Roman Catholic. This is about the Yule log and the Christmas tree and its decorations. This is about Christmas carols. It tells you the first Christmas carols were written by Roman Catholic priests. This is all Roman Catholicism. I don't know how anybody can see Christ's Mass on a paper and say, I wonder what that is. Maybe that's a birth of Christ. No, it's not. And then it goes into the creche. C-R-E-C-H-E. The crash is the manger scene. I'll read something out of that. They didn't celebrate the births of Christ in the early church, did not. They celebrated his resurrection. Setting up of the Holy Crib is one of the most important observances in the Catholic churches. Everything is about Catholic. As well as many Catholic homes. Its beginning was in 1223 when Francis of Assisi, Roman Catholic, and they came up with an order for the Franciscan order for him. An artist, a saint of order of poets, when he got a young woman 
with a baby to come sit into the church that night. He pulled an ox and an ass into the church, pushed them up the aisle, and included a young mother to sit beside them with her baby. And he wrote the first Christmas carols, simple songs. That's enough of... I can't read all of this. She's just a librarian. She has no axe to grind. Goodness gracious alive. I don't know what the world wants. I'm just trying to verify it all. And this is the swastika right here. You want proof? This comes out of a book that I've got. I've had it for years and I've worn out and it's falling apart. It's called The Twisted Cross. That was the that was the swastika that I had up here a while ago. That was the that was the movement of around the earth. It was a movement around the sun. And it looked like the sun was getting dimmer and then it gets brighter. And they took all of that and made religion out of it. This is the different types of crosses. This is the philosopher's square. That's a form of it. The eighth sign of the philosopher's square. That's where they blot out the lines. And this is the cross of Lohengrin. This is a dextrogyrate. Dextrogyrate means to go against nature. Dextro is going against nature because nature is the sinistrogyrate is like so. That is with the cross going to the left. Sinus means left in the Latin. And they got to believing that the left-handed people were evil. So we we have got, this is going to the left, going the way of the sun. Or it looks like the sun is going that way when it rises in the east and goes to the west. So, this is called the sinistrogyrate. It's the it's the it's the proper direction of the swastika suvasti. Always have to explain that Hitler sent Hitler sent Himmler. He was the head of his SS. Himmler went to Tibet. Tibet is right there where the Buddhist, the Buddhist in Tibet, they worship Buddha. Buddha was said to be born, you can get this out of McClinic and Strong. He was said to be born out of his left, his mother's left armpit. He was the ray of the sun. Crazy, isn't it? And he heard, Hitler had heard that the Buddhist, that the Tibetan worshippers there were, they were superior, they had longer legs, longer arms, so he wanted a superior or an Aryan race. So he went, he sent Himmler to Tibet, Hitler brought the, brought the swastika back, which was a good luck symbol, and the Bible says, well, the Bible says that Israel is not to be worshipped in the Queen of Heaven, and you find the Queen of Heaven over there in in uh, 
Jeremiah the seventh chapter. Everybody that knows anything about Roman Catholicism knows the Queen of Heaven is the Mary of Roman Catholicism. She's deified in this Roman Catholic book right here as the Queen of Heaven. Here's another. Here's a Roman Catholic book. She wasn't Queen of Heaven. She said, My soul doth rejoice in God my Savior. This says Queen of Heaven, Mary. When she ascends up to heaven without dying, they call that Immaculate Assumption. She's assumed into heaven without dying because the Catholics say she has no sin. And Mary herself said in Luke, the first chapter, My soul doth rejoice in God my Savior. She said, I need a Savior. This in my stomach is my Savior. That's insane. They didn't even read the Bible to find out whether that's true or not. They remind me of a bunch of charismatics. When they don't look in the Bible where Jesus said, Nobody's going to be seeing me. When Oral Roberts said, I saw 900 for Jesus out by the proud tower in, in, in Tulsa. And Jesus said, nobody's seen me. He called Oral Roberts a liar 2,000 years before he was born. And they didn't even bother to look in the Bible when Mary says, I'm a sinner. They said, we made her queen of heaven. She naturally assumed up to heaven like Jesus. How much false truth can we handle? Lies galore out here in the name of God. Now, all right, you want more? Anytime you see the yin and the yang, that's a type and a picture of the sun and the dark. The dark part of the year the dark part of the year. You see this triangle right here? This is the fall equinox at the beginning of the festivals of the pagans in the northern hemisphere. The fall equinox is you had the summer solstice on June the 21st, the longest days of the year. When, you, when the earth comes around, when it gets around and heads toward the winter, and it gets to the fall equinox. Equinox means equal night. That's when there's 12 hours of the day and 12 hours of the night. The spring equinox is where there's 12 hours in the day and 12 hours in the night. This is where the dark begins to take over. Maybe so many seconds, maybe 12 hours and so many minutes in the night, 11 hours and so many minutes in the day, the next day after the equinox. This is where the sun begins to gain light again. And when the Bible speaks to the, when Paul speaks to the Gentile churches, the Gentiles worship their pagan gods during this dark time of the year. Right here. That was a dark time. Halloween starts here, and you've got Ishtar ends here, Easter or Ishtar. So you got the darkness. So Paul tells the Ephesians, you were darkness, but now you're light. And in the light is the only time the crops grow. You have to have the light is like this. When he says to the Thessalonians, people at Thessalonica, which were 
up in the northern part of the Aegean Sea, they were pagans. And he says, he says, you're not the children of the darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're the children of the light. Walk as children of light. Walk as believers. He says, you're not in that dark anymore, worshiping those idol gods. You can't even interpret Paul's words to those Gentile churches without knowing this. He told the Colossians, he says, God's translated you into the kingdom of his dear son, which is the kingdom of light in that first chapter. It all has, you know, it's all so funny. It has to do with the movement of the sun or the movement of the earth around the sun. That's all it has to do with. So you can say the Big Dipper is the reason for the season. I've got that on the back of one of my shirts. On the front of my shirt, I've got the tilt of the earth axis is the reason for the season. And I just want somebody to ask me, what does that mean? Let me tell you. I was. It's really funny. I was in a place of business here several years ago, and I had that shirt on. There's a guy standing over across the counter, another customer. He said, that's the truth. I said, you know that? He said, yeah. It's just amazing how little, how few people know this. That's the, this is the, another form of the swastika. You've got all kinds of forms of it. Another form of it is this yin and yang. And Rusty knows that. He's talked about it. The yin and the yang is like, well, you don't have to put it inside this circle. You can just put it this way. And this is you got this is like a like a like an apostrophe and this is like this is light and this is dark. That's the yin and the yang. That's talking about the light and the light and the dark. And the light comes like so. I'm sorry I'm not a good artist. I wish I was. But it comes like this. This would be the light. This would be the... And this right here would be the dark. And this would be the winter solstice. And then this would be... And that is as... They took nature and worshipped it. And this would be... be the dark dark and light and then you go back to the same thing down here and that's because of the movement of the earth and the swastika and the big dipper that's what it's about it's really crazy it's really simple but I've studied this a long time to see it now 
this lady wrote want more proof that there was something besides just I've got all kinds of proof this is a book US News and World Report this was in this was in uh, 1996 the title of the December issue was search the search for Christmas this was written by the chief staff writer, U.S. News and World Report. I don't even know if they printed it anymore, but it was a financial paper for intelligent men that went to the stock market and so forth, and they did a lot of investing. It was something that people read. It was on at, back in that damn time. When they back in 1996, it was on Donald Trump's desk. It was on Bill Gates' desk. U.S. News and World Report. And I give everybody copies if you want it. And I'll have a bunch of copies made. In Search of Christmas, this is Chief Staff Writer of one of the biggest financial magazines at the time. And I'm just going to read some of it. I can't read all of it. An affront unto God. An insult to God. Though most of its history, the Christmas season has been a time of raucous revelry. Orgy. The Christmas season has been a time of raucous revelry and Bacchanalian indulgence. Bacchus was the god of wine in the ancient world. Bacchanalian indulgence more akin to Mardi Gras. The chief staff writer of U.S. News and World Report knows that. Mardi Gras or New Year's Eve than to Silent Night, Holy Night. Silent Night, Holy Night was written by a Catholic priest. And what in the world does that have to do with Jesus? All right. So tarnished, in fact, was its reputation in colonial America. They didn't celebrate it back then. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. So tarnished, in fact, was the reputation in colonial America that celebrating Christmas was banned in Puritan New England, where the noted minister, Cotton Mather, that's amazing to hear a guy talking about whose head is a magazine this big, talking about Cotton Mather, a Puritan. Cotton Mather described Yuletide merrymaking as an affront unto the grace of God in a new book, The Battle for Christmas. I've got that book. You read that, and it has nothing to do with what Christmas is today. Mr. Nissenbaum, he was a professor at the University of Massachusetts. He'll tell you all about what Christmas was like in the 1800s in America. It doesn't even resemble today. He'll tell you that, what's the guy's name that wrote The Night Before Christmas? Uh, Mike, do you remember? Anyway, he did that. He was a businessman up in the eastern part of the United States, up in Massachusetts. He was wanting to stimulate business. That's why he wrote it. And he'll tell you all about that, and that he wasn't he wasn't doing it for any spiritual reason. And at that time, everyone was afraid of St. Nicholas, and St. Nicholas was a little short, skinny guy. He wasn't a big, fat guy. Who wrote The Night Before Christmas, Mike? Uh, anyway, 
he was a little St. Nicholas was a short skinny guy and he had a little black demon travel with him everywhere he went and, and all the kids were scared of him that's why they say it's nothing to fear he's looking it up now <laughs> I'll know I'll remember when you say it uh, the Battle for Christmas University of Massachusetts history professor Stephen Nissenbaum describes the annual birthday celebration of the Prince of Peace as a perennial battleground for competing cultural, religious, and economic forces. There was never a time when the Christmas existed as an unsullied domestic idol. Unsullied means not filthy. There's never a time, he says, he knew about that, and he worked for the rich. Clement Clark Moore. Clement Moore, yeah. Clement Moore wrote that, and he did it for money. Gosh. He goes on in here, and this lady that wrote me said, do you have any other proof about Christmas? I got all kinds of proof. It's not just Hislop's book, but Hislop's book is fantastic. It's got so much information in it. This has got a lot of information in this. He says that if they took if they took the commercialization out of Christmas, Christmas would not survive. If you took all the gift giving, all you'd have to take everything out. You'd have to take the holly and the greenery because in the Scandinavian world they hung the pagans hung the greenery around their Bound their pagan temples because they thought these trees were magical trees because they could live in this sub-zero weather. And they had a wassailing bowl which was on the center of a table where they'd all gather around and it was a drunken elixir and they would sing these wassailing bowl songs. And one of the wassailing bowl songs was Deck the halls with boughs of holly Fa-la-la-la-la had nothing to do with Jesus. It was stupid. They had a commercial one year on TV about some merchandising place, some shopping center, and it came on with da 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 da, da and had these people dancing around the dance floor to that. I thought that was hilarious. There's so much proof on this. I can't get through everything I've got. I've got... Let me see here what I've got. How much time do I have, Mike? Twenty-three. Huh? Twenty-three. I've got more. Here's the worst thing about Christmas right here. This is the worst thing there is. This come out in a magazine December the 25th, 1992. Now clip this out. This is the worst thing. What's so bad about Christmas? It shows this little boy in America dreaming of all the things he's going to get. Comics and a football and a skateboard and a computer and a Pac-Man on the computer. And he's sleeping that dreaming about all that. And right over here is a little person in the third world. I showed this to one woman. She started crying. That's that little third world person. They're dreaming of a bowl of rice. That's what's wrong with it right there. If anything's wrong, that's wrong. You have one of these. You got one. You can have that one. I've got plenty of them. 
that's as bad as it gets. I need to have Mary paint colors on that and put it on this board up here. Now, I've got more on this. I've got so much. I'm going to have to get to the... What we're doing, we're trying to clean up something that you can't clean up. Let me read to you. I've got about five tracks on Christmas over here. And I wrote one on what's so bad about Christmas. Let me read it to you. I know some of you don't get the tracks and read them. One guy wrote me one time about them, and he said, he said, where can I get some of those little sledgehammers? I said, what are you talking about? He said, those tracks, you put them in a doctor's office, and I picked one up. I picked a couple of them up. He said, they were like sledgehammers hitting me right in the head. I said, oh, <laughs> you're talking about those tracks? He said, yeah, they're hard. When I write a track, it's not like, how would you like to get saved and pray this prayer to Jesus and say, Lord, save me, I'm a sinner for Jesus' sake. No, no, my, prayer, my tracks are hard. Let me read those in this one. What's so bad about Christmas? At the top, I've got chapters and verses, and I've got the verses down. And then I've got the body of the track under that. And I want to read this one on. What's so bad about Christmas? At the top, I've got Luke sixteen fifteen. That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. Abomination is the word delegma. This is how God thinks about Christmas. Is Christmas highly esteemed? Oh, without a doubt. B-D... E-L-U-G-M-A. It means to stink. I've said this before. Comes We get our word B-D-A-E. Bidet. I guess that's the way you spell it. A bidet is where you have a commode in your house and you're rich enough to have an extra commode, but you put a bidet there. And it's to wash your bottom, to spray up on your bottom and wash the poop off your bottom. It stinks. Whatever is highly esteemed among men stinks like that to God. Now let me read this. The pagan festival of Christmas is a tradition that is highly esteemed among the peoples of the world. If it were of God and spiritual, the world would look upon it as foolish. The gangster, the thief the homosexual, the prostitute, the abortionist, all hate the word of God when he said, Thou shalt not. Yet they will party involve themselves in the wickedest immoral acts while embracing the traditions of the Christ Mass. Many who attend church regularly while refusing to live righteously keep it as their favorite festival and holiday. The business person who is unethical and immoral in business dealings at Christmas time will disavow their marriage in order to have a sexual encounter at a Christmas party while getting drunk all in the name of Jesus' birth. 
It's a time of compromise for many who call themselves Christian, setting aside witnessing and calling men to repentance till January. Playboy magazine has their Christmas issue, while liquor stores decorate with wreaths and holiday cheer. Christians are commanded to separate from such ungodliness in Second Corinthians six fourteen through seventeen. Celebrants stuff and glut themselves with material things and all kinds of delectable foods while the world is destitute and starving spiritually and physically. Christmas is a time when true believers are expected to sit down at a family gathering, passing out free forgiveness to unrepentant sinners as they curse and tell their color off-color stories. Forgiveness is never an initial act. It is always a response to repentance. Paul said that we are not to eat or communicate with brothers living in rebellion against God. We are to we're not to partake or walk with them. They are unfruitful works of darkness as they walk disorderly and not in the ways of God. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians 5 and 9 and 11, Ephesians 5, 11, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 and 14. We will be persecuted for this kind of for this kind of testimony. The United States comp- comprises approximately 4.6% of the world's population. This minute segment of the world is partying and lulling themselves into an easy religion with no striving or wrestling over sin at the Christmas season. I've never seen anybody open up a Christmas gift and say, praise the Lord, I'm going to give this to some needy person, especially if it's a shotgun or a diamond ring. While the world is dying in starvation, squalor, and disease without Christ, to celebrate Christ is to honor him. To honor him is to say his, is to keep his sayings in John fourteen twenty three. If we are to honor him, we will dispense with vain traditions. We will get Christ out of the mass. We will rid ourselves of this heathen festival of the mass, the Christ mass. We will throw out the pagan birthday of Hercules, December the 25th. We will remember and celebrate Jesus' birth every day, and never will we separate from the resurrection. There is only one pure ritual. It is not Christmas, Easter, or Valentine's. James tells us pure religion, the word is threskia, it means ritual or ceremony. The only pure ritual and undefiled, uncontaminated is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and the church under which is the church under persecution. Affliction is the word thalipsis. It means it's ones that are going through the narrow way. Fatherless is the word orphanos. And the and the widows, that's the word cure, it means one without a husband, which is Christ, our husband, which is in heaven. 
Jesus said, Inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me, Matthew twenty five forty. This is the true ritual with which we are to celebrate Jesus daily. All the things that man esteems, position, awards, money, titles, recognition, tradition, material things, and the seeking of self is an abomination to God. The only thing that honors Christ is the seeking after a, after a concern for others, spiritual and physical, and never self. In Philippians 2, 4 through 5, and 1 Corinthians 10, 24. The natural man who loves and highly esteems the traditions of the world always despises the atoning blood of Christ. They hold Jesus' words in contempt, refusing to live in daily repentance and submission to the commandment of God. Man will not cease from sin until God moves on his heart to live holy and pure before him through the year. That's just on Christmas. I've got I've got one here on the festival of Christmas, Saturnalia. I've got one on the Mass of the Messiah. I've got one on Christmas, whose birthday is it? There were two birthdays in the Bible, Pharaoh's and Herod's. They hung Pharaoh's baker at his birthday, and they cut off John the Baptist's head at Herod's birthday. So whose head are you going to cut off, and who are you going to hang at Christmas time? Then I've got one on St. Nicholas. He was a 4th century Roman Catholic bishop. He was said to possess all of the attributes of Christ. He was said to be omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. If he was omnipresent as St. Nicholas, which is another name for Santa Claus, then he knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, he knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. What a bunch of hooey. And some people think because he gave gifts to children, some, some historians say he was a pedophile. I've got some other things that are really good on this. I've got, here is a, this is a paper I wrote about 30 years ago on Christmas. About 30 years ago. I'll make copies of that and give everybody a copy. And it's very interesting. I can't go through all of it. Then I've got, people said, do you have other proof? Oh, yeah. My daughter-in-law, Karen, she was going to when before her and Eric married, she's about fifty now. Before they were married, she's going to Middle Tennessee State University. And she tried to tell her family about Christmas. And they didn't want to hear it. So she went to the library at Middle Tennessee State University to see if she could find anything on Christmas. She found this book called The Strange Ways of Man. And she she's given me the copy of this. And this is one chapter in the book. And this chapter is called Christmas Cheer. And this is a 
by E. Royston Pike from 1954. And he goes into this and he says that the year of Christ's birth is not known. We're equally ignorant of the actual day. He talks about the shepherds couldn't be couldn't be in the field because they didn't stay after the first rains, much less the second rains. And it got bitter cold in, in Israel. They took their sheep in early before the first rains in September, October came. And they took them into the house. They lived with the sheep. They had what they called a sheep coat, C-O-T-E. And that was a whenever they wanted protection out in the and they were out in the field they looked for a sheep coat that was like an indention or a cliff in the side of a of some mountain or something would be like so be like this or maybe it's going up the side of a hill like this Maybe that's a mountain there. They'd look for a sheep coat to bring the sheep in. And they would sleep. They would build a platform up here and the sheep would all be down here. And sheep stink. Boy, they stink bad. Really bad. Have you ever been out on the road and you get ever get behind a truck hauling sheep? It's terrible. Whoo! You think you're in a manure factory or something. But they would be up here and the sheep would be down here, down on the ground floor. This this is talking about, that's why they were in the sheep coat during the winter. And some of them had their houses built like in the side of a, a mountain or wall. It goes on to say the year of Christ's birth. It's talking all about that. So far as our evidence goes, early Christians did not celebrate Christmas. The guy that wrote Strange Ways of Men knows that. And the first certain traces of it are found about the time of Emperor Commodus. That would be before Constantine. They had some some shades of it in the 2nd century, around 250. Towards the close of the 2nd century, nearly a hundred years later, in the reign of Diocletian, when the when that Roman emperor was keeping court at Nicomedia, it would, you've got to read about the Romans if you're going to read about Christmas because it's Roman Catholic. And he says, the profane ceremonies referred to were held... Well, he, let me read before that. Uh, St. Chrysostom wrote in his homilies that on this day, December the 25th, the birthday of Christ was lately fixed at Rome. They didn't come up with that till the 4th century. The profane ceremonies referred to were those held in connection with the worship of Mithra, the Persian sun god whose worship had risen to great prominence and popularity in the Roman world. Mithra's birthday was celebrated 25 December, which was the winter solstice festival in the Roman calendar. The day was given the name of Dis Natalis Solus Invicti, the birthday of the unconquerable sun. The reason it's unconquerable is because it's coming back. They think it's burning out here, and it's coming back to life. 
So they celebrated. They thought the sun was moving away from the earth. So they had to build bonfires or bale fires on the earth to make the sun heat up and come back. They thought they had something to do with it. That's insane. And it goes on through here. It gives all kinds. It talks about the wassailing bowl to be in good health and giving a toast. and It's all the strange ways of man. Then I've got a paper. I've got one here. I've got another one. This is most interesting here. One of the most interesting ones. This is Christmas and its songs. I got this from Sid Martin. Sid used to be our song leader here. He had to go back to Louisiana when we retired from teaching school he was a music teacher in school he had a master's degree in music a very bright man and he said he had this book titled christmas and its songs for 25 years and he never looked at the introduction this is the introduction and it's it evidently was written by some formidable uh intelligent historian And it starts off like this. He said, I never read it. He said, I couldn't believe I'd never read it. The earliest source of Christmas customs is probably the Sumerian civilization. Sumeria, S-U-M-E-R-I-A, is not Sumeria. Sumeria is northern Israel. Sumeria is, if this is Israel... And this is Babylon over here. And you have Iraq over here. Iraq. And through Iraq you got the Euphrates River and the Tigris River joining about 100 miles before you get to the Persian Gulf. And Babylon is on that. And the Sumerian civilization is right there in Babylon. And this Christmas and its song says that the earliest source of Christmas customs is probably the Sumerian civilization which flourished over 4,000 years ago. And this is a Christmas book on Christmas songs in it. Marduk. I looked up Marduk last night on the internet. Another name for Marduk was Bell. It's a form of B-A-A-L. Now, Mr. Hislop says it means to crush or to annihilate or to destroy. Remember Jezebel? Jezebel's father was Eth Baal. There in Tyre and Sidon, and Constantine brought that out into northern Israel in First Kings, the sixteenth chapter, and God brought curses upon Israel in First Kings, the seventeenth chapter. That's when God sent Elijah to before the before the throne of Ahab and tell him you get no rain famine 
because you've gone after these other gods because he brought all these gods of Jezebel's father into Israel, the same gods that Constantine brought into the church and renamed Christ's Mass. It's crazy. Marduk, the chief god of Sumar, won that position by engaging in a titanic battle with Timot. I was looking at Timot last night. The goddess monster who ruled the underworld kingdom of chaos. Marduk killed her and fashioned the world from her corpse. <laughs> That's, this is really comical. That's the beginning of Christmas. And I can't read all this. I'll be glad to send these to this lady. We'll send you all this material. She said, do you have anything besides besides uh, Hislop's Two Babylons? Yeah, but Hislop's Two Babylons is some of the best material you can get. I can't give you all this material in one lesson. All I'm doing, I'm going to go next week into what the Mass actually is. It's not the Mass... I'm going to go into eating the body and blood of Christ next week. That's the Mass, but it's not talking about eating his literal body. It's talking about partaking in the body of Christ, which is the church. The world seems to be so stupid. Preachers are just stupid. They are what the Bible calls ba'ar. They are natural brute beast, brutish. They're brutish. Brutish, a man that will not be reproved. He is brutish. Ba'ar, he has an understanding of a brute beast, of an animal that cannot learn. It means to be dull of hearing. The Bible says the hearing here and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. If you will not hear this Christmas stuff, it's Christmas is the most evil thing that happened in all the Bible. It's the reason. It because Israel went after these pagan gods, God scattered Israel, and he has projected the end of time due to that scattering. So when I teach on prophecy, it's about Christmas. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. God help us to see these things. I'm doing everything I can, Lord. Help me. Give me strength. Help the flock here. Help the church. There's so many people call me and say, I don't know what to do because of this coronavirus, because they're stuck in their houses and they're weary and tired. Strengthen them and Cause them, build them up, Lord. Like I say, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Go forward. That's all we can do. Help us to live righteously and godly. Help the the believers to hear this message on the Christ Mass. We'll give you praise for everything. Fight our battles for us, Lord. I certainly don't feel like fighting anymore. I'm just tired and weary. Thank you for truth. It is your elect in Christ's name. Amen. I didn't I didn't I meant to get back into the mass what they say it is and what it actually 
is not what it means to partake of the body and blood. I don't know why people that call themselves Christians just hate this message on Christmas. I tell you what, when you give up Christmas, you just start saying, wow, how, man, I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to mess with it. Life gets a lot easier. Huh? So life gets a lot easier. Life is a lot easier. They got to run around trying to buy gifts for somebody that don't like you and you don't like them. <laughs> it's it's crazy. We're living in insanity in America. The world's crazy. Every time somebody calls me and they say wanna. DVD, I ask them how old they are, and they say, if they say they're in their 60s, I say, then you know how insane America is. They say, yeah, it's crazy. 